Hey, you have a sheet in front of you uh, called Overcoming the Six Temptations of Successful Organizations. Uh, this is an excerpt from a book that was written by Dave Anderson called uh, Seven Steps to Fix, Build, or Stretch Your Organization. And he talks about how that um, organizations uh, get to a certain level and then their leaders began to do some things that keep it from getting any better. And so there's three foundational truths that we'll talk about. Then we're going to talk about three of these temptations. And you come back next month and we'll cover the last three temptations. So let me give you three foundational truths. Number one, and that is the enemy of great is good. The enemy of great is good. And now I want you to, as I think about this, I want you to think about not just the organization, but think about the leaders. Think about yourself. And it says the primary reason that so few leaders or organizations ever become great is because they get good and they stop. And once they get to that point, they use their track record, their prior successes as evidence that they have arrived. And once they get good, they want to write down their success story. They want to put it into a manual. And all of a sudden, they document the formula. Their mind shifts to neutral, and their business gets out of a growth mode and into a maintenance mode. So you've seen success, you've seen success. It looks like we've arrived. We're good. And then we just begin to plateau. Number two, neither you nor your business ever arrives. Neither you nor your business ever arrives. You'll never get to the point where he said, I've arrived. This is it. The only time you get to that point is when you die and step into heaven. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, but while we're here on earth, it, it never arrives. So I want to tell you two things. Number one, avoid a goal mindset. Avoid a goal mindset. Now don't, don't lose me on this. Um, goals are good, but what happens is sometimes you set very specific, tangible, numeric goals to achieve. And once you hit that goal, then you want to settle. You feel like you've arrived and that's when you get in danger of plateauing. So you don't want to have a goal mindset, but what you want to do is you want to adopt a growth mindset, adopt a growth mindset. It's interesting, it's very easy for us to adopt a, to avoid, excuse me, to adopt a goal mindset instead of a growth. Uh, there was a church growth consultant years ago when I was coming up in ministry, a guy by the name of Ron Lewis, and he did research and his statement was 95% of the churches who build their uh, dream building will plateau. 95%. So what happens is, is the churches work, 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 work to get their big building, their dream building. And as soon as they get into it, 95% of them plateau. Why is that? Feel like they arrived. We met our goal. Then what we do, we take the foot off the accelerator. We just settle back and we look at our beautiful building. And all of a sudden we hit maintenance and it can happen in any business. So instead of having a goal mindset, have a growth mindset. You set goals along the journey, but you realize it's just part of the process and it's not the end. And once you hit a goal, you continue moving forward to the bigger picture of reaching your potential. I'm always growing. And there'll be a lot of athletic things we'll talk about in here. But, you know, the thing is, you'll see some of these great players to where they have an amazing game or, or have gotten these accolades. And I'm always intrigued by when they interview the guy, somewhere within the interview, the guy will say, well, uh, so what, man, you've done this and this and this. He said, well, I just know I just need to work to get better. And, you know, I'm not resting here. I just got to do better in some areas. I met my goal, but I'm setting another one. I'm keeping growing on there. So most likely 
you're never going to reach your potential, but it's the journey that keeps you humble, keeps you hungry, and keeps you focused. And it's what you become in the process that helps you and your organization go from good to great. And number three is this. Use your success as a stepping stone and not a pedestal. Any, any uh, a level of success that you have achieved, that should be a stepping stone for you to keep on growing. It is not to be the pedestal for you to stand on and say, well, here I've arrived. So there are six temptations. Let's talk about three of them. Uh, the first temptation is this. The leaders of successful organizations stop working on themselves. The leaders of successful organizations stop working on themselves. They often think they figured it all out. And so you know what they do? They continue to work on their job, but they stop working on themselves. They use their experience and their track record as a license to never read another book, never to attend another course in their field. And all they do is point to their acclaim, their accomplishments, and decide to take the skills that they once learned and just run the rest of their career with them. And so uh, over a number of years, they've achieved some success, and they said, that's about it. I don't need to grow anymore. don't need to read anymore. don't need to attend any more conferences. You can look at my wall. You can see all the accomplishments that I've got, all the awards that I've got, and they stop working on themselves. There are two debilitating traits in a leader, ignorance and arrogance. Ignorance and arrogance. There are those that are the know-it-all leaders, They've stopped actively seeking out ways to improve their business, but they're actively telling others how to improve. They're telling you this is how you need to improve, but yet they don't do anything themselves. They're not producing anymore. They just keep talking about the good old days and what you should be producing today. And um, you get ignorance and you get arrogance. And things change. Businesses change. The, uh, the economy changes. The environment changes. And we've got to be willing to make those changes. We can't just sit there and rest on accomplishments of the past. Growing people grow people. And if you're not growing, you're not going to grow the people with you. And if you don't grow, then your, uh, your uh, organization will plateau, and the people that work with you, they will plateau also. So here's some benefits of personal growth. Benefits of personal growth are fourfold. Number one, a higher self-esteem. You just feel better about yourself as you're growing. When you're accomplishing new things, you feel better about yourself. Number two, there's a willingness to change or risk. A willingness to change or risk. When you get settled into doing it the way it's always been done, then you don't want to change. And when you're not willing to change, you're not willing to take a risk. And and the the, precious, the best fruit is the one that's way out on the edge of the limb. And you've got to sometimes walk out there. Number three is this, your passion increases. Your passion increases. As you begin to grow and you begin to change and you begin to stretch yourself, you get a greater passion for this work. And number four is you lift the lid for others. You lift the lid for others. That's the leadership lid. You lift the lid for others. Your people cannot go any further than you have already gone. And so when a leader is growing, your people are growing because you're challenging them. But once the leader plateaus, then there you have put a lid on your organization. Because if they're not challenged to grow and to change or to take risk, then they won't. And then all of a sudden their leadership plateaus. So you need to be willing to start working on yourself. Remember, people cannot go any further than you've already been yourself. Number two is this, second temptation. Second temptation is the leaders of successful organizations stop thinking big. They stop thinking big. 
Uh, nothing frustrates me more in watching sports is when a team gets on a roll and uh, all of a sudden it's the same as what happens in business. A business will get on a roll, then the leaders kind of get spooked and they start to play it safe. A football team will get on a roll, then they stop playing it safe. They're not playing to win. They're playing what? Not to lose. And it just makes me mad, okay? And I step out of my pastoral role, and I, I step into my football fan role, and I scream at the television set so that my wife over there says to me, they can't hear you. <laughs> I said, but I feel better on this. And, and, and then I get to do, I told you so when they lose at the end, because you start seeing it happen. And we've done it as football fans. You say, whoa, whoa, why are you doing this? No, 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 no. And I said, oh, we're going to slow her down. We're going to play more conservative. And then all of a sudden what happened? You had all this momentum and then you lost the mo. And once you lose the mo, it's hard to pick it back up. And every announcer says that. There's a shifting and a flow of momentum. And, and all of a sudden, the other team, now they get encouraged. And they begin to get better. And now, all of a sudden, you're back on your heels. And you're waiting to the end of the game, just hanging on, playing not to lose. That's frustrating when you're watching a football game. It's frustrating to see it happen in business. Because, see, what will happen is that you stop thinking big. And you just start playing conservative. And all we're doing here is, is just to kind of maintain some market share. We're not going to think real big. We're just going to kind of just slow things down. Listen, when you're on a roll, don't sit on the ball. Run up the score. Remember Steve Spurrier used to get so criticized when he was at Florida because he was running up the score on people. You know, the longer I've lived, the more genius he is. Uh one thing you saw with Steve Spurrier when he was coaching Florida, you never read a, a recap of the game and said, well, he took his foot off the gas and his team lost. No, you just heard some whiny coach over there saying, he beat me by 50 points. And then Steve Spurrier's response was, hey, stop us. You know, hey, you know, I'm still going to keep running my offense. You just need to stop us on there. And we need to do the same thing as we're going through our business lives is that we don't want to sit there and start thinking smaller. You thought big, and that's how you got to where you are. So what happens is you begin to feel very comfortable with where you are, what the vision you've shared in the past, and now you stop thinking big, and you just begin to plateau. And when we thought big and new, now we just think conservative. Instead of big things, we have conservative accomplishments on there. So, so how, do you, how do you get out of that? You know, how, how, do you, how do you achieve goodness, but yet you want to get greatness, and how do you begin to think big again? All right, you're going to love number one. These are strategies that will keep you moving. When you're going well, go shopping. Yes. Now, there are a lot of you out there that say, praise God, it's the best thing you've said in 13 years of teaching power lunch or whatever on there. But, but before you rush out and take your Macy's credit card, uh, listen to what I'm saying here. One of the best ways to stretch your thinking and disturb the comfort of routine is to visit companies who are doing better than you. That's what I mean by go shopping. Kind of go shopping for new ideas. If you're working at a university, go to another university. See how they do some things. You work in your particular business, go to another business. Go to uh, uh, even, uh, you could either call it a competitor or someone that's in similar type business and just see what they do. Go to conferences, whatever. But you need to go shopping and study their successes. Whenever you see successes of other people, the result will be humility with you and create a resolve to get moving again. There's something every year 
I get to go to is called a metro conference. It's for churches of large sizes, and we come together, and there are pastors that come together for about three days, and it's iron sharpening iron. And I love to go there. I don't love to go there so that they can call on me, and I can stand up and say, well, let me tell you what Shades Mountain Baptist Church does. No, I like to be there just to sit behind the table and listen to what everyone else is doing. And when I hear what they're doing, I get humbled. I'm saying, I thought we were doing some great stuff, but wow, these guys are really stepping out. These guys are risking some things. And by listening to that, then all of a sudden I come back here and I said, you know, I got to get stretched a little bit. And that stretches me. And I can see that we've accomplished some great things, but then I realize, oh man, there's so much more that we can do. We've not arrived. That's a great help. I sit on the board of trustees of North American Mission Board, which the Southern Baptist Convention is, um, is, handles the missionaries and church planters in North America, United States and Canada. And when I go through there, I get an opportunity to, to meet uh, church planters and, and hear their visions and what they're wanting to do. I, I get to be around other churches and, and hear what they're doing. And every time I come back, I get stretched. And so th- some of the best things you do is just go shopping. Some of you... If, if we did a test right now, if we could cut you and, uh, and find out if you're bleeding, that you're plateauing or growing, a lot of you would bleed plateauing. Best thing you need is just go shopping. Get out there and see what some other people are doing and then put your pride aside and just listen and you'll be stretched. You'll be humbled and you'll be motivated. Number two, stir up an inspirational dissatisfaction. And this is a phrase you don't hear very often. Stir up an inspirational dissatisfaction. I want you to listen closely. Uh, this doesn't mean that you're never pleased or satisfied. I don't want you to be the whiny person who's never pleased or satisfied. It's not a license to beat yourself up or for your people. Instead, it's a creative awareness that you can do better, that you can do more to work harder on yourself and invest exhaustively in your team. It's an inspirational dissatisfaction. It's like, man, things are really going good, but I don't want to just stop here. You know, there's got to be something inside of me that says, you know, we're really, this is really good, but I'm not going to park here. I'm going to stretch. And, you know, I think that there's some things I can do a little bit better. A little bit of an inspirational dissatisfaction. It's the thing that inspires you. It's not the thing that you talk to your spouse for two hours a night and complain and woe is me thing. No, it's that thing that's inside of you that says, hey, we're doing well. I really think we can do something a little bit bit better on there. And uh, it unfreezes your comfort zone and it keeps you stretching, okay? Number three is this. Continue to set goals that stretch your team. So you as the leader need to continue to set those goals that stretch your team. Again, avoiding a goal mindset does not say avoid goals. It just means I see where we want to go. Let's set some goals along the way. If you can reach your goals with a business as usual approach, it's an indication that your goals are too small. And I want you to write this down right next to that point. A goal is only effective on three things. It's not up here on the screen. You've got to write it down. This is an effective goal. Forces change. It forces change. Big decisions. Bold action. Forces change. Big decisions. Bold action. Now, it is easy to set goals that are easy to make. What you want to do as a leader, if you want to get out of this good and get up to great, set some goals that will take some big decisions, bold actions along the way, 
and it will force some changes along the way. Does that make sense? And, uh, you know, from my position as a pastor uh, of this church, as we've set different visions along the way, every time as we get there, there'll be times when I'm writing things out and I'll put down, well, this would be a goal, this would be a goal, and then I've got to go back and look at that sheet of paper. And I'm saying, you know, we could make this. And uh, let me tell you, from a pastoring standpoint, if we feel we can make a goal in our own power, it's not really a goal. We need to have God-sized goals to where when we look at it, we say, I don't know how we're going to accomplish that. Praise God. That means that uh, we're going to have to depend on him and we're going to have to cast our, our faith on him and let's move forward and see what it is that, that God has for us. So uh, set those goals that will stretch your team. If you concentrate more time on holding your own rather than moving forward, you have moved from careful to fearful. You see, what happens is we get to the point to where we're growing, then all of a sudden we get careful. And then once we get careful, that moves into fearful. You've got to seize the offensive. General George Patton said this, I don't want to get any messages saying that we are holding our position. We're not holding anything. Let the enemy do that. We are advancing constantly, and we're not interested in holding on to anything. He says, get back on the offensive. And that's what we need to do, we need to get on the offensive. You know, I love it in the New Testament when Jesus was talking to his disciples and he says, hey, guys, I've been doing ministry here for a while. Uh, who do people think that I am? And everybody was throwing out these different ideas of what they heard. And then Peter over here says, uh, you are Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus looked at him and he said, you are so right, Peter. Give me a high five. All right. That's kind of a add on there. But uh, he said, uh, you're exactly right, Peter. And, you know, and upon your confession of faith, upon this rock, this confession of faith, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Gates are defensive. And so God didn't, Jesus didn't say to him, yes, you're right. I am the son of God and we're just going to hunker down and hold on to our territory. No, he says the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Well, what that means is, is that the church is going to move forward and we're going to start taking territory. And if Satan has had this territory over here and he's destroying neighborhoods and he's destroying lives, we're not going to put up with that anymore. We're going to move forward and, and we're going to take over what is rightfully God and we're going to advance his kingdom on there. Did you get fired up? Yeah, this is right. Hey, gone to preaching. Amen. Praise God. All right. So that's what he's talking about. That's the way Jesus is. He didn't want his, his followers just to say, hey, we're just going to hunker down here. No, we're taking territory. We're going to be on the offensive. We're going to move forward. And that's what needs to happen. Third temptation is this. The leaders of successful organizations stop leading from the front. They stop leading from the front. So what do you mean by that? Well, when a business is getting results and steam rolling along, it feels like everybody's tidy and everybody's under control. Thus, the leader hits the remote control button. He leaves the trenches for his or her office where he presides and administers and no longer leads. They perch in their ivory towers, they get dazed by data, and they get numbed by numbers. And they lose touch with their number one asset, and that is their people. And what happens is you've been on the front lines, and now all of a sudden you've seen success, and you retreat to your office, and you get your office just like you like it. You ordered that real comfortable chair back there. You got your desk like you like it. You got the pictures up there on the wall. You've got all your awards on there. And, you know, that can be like a sanctuary to you. Any of y'all have had a kind of a nice office, it's pretty good. You just find yourself sitting there. And what happens is you just begin to lead from the rear and not from the front. And you forget what got you to the place of success. It was the training. 
It was the one-on-ones. It was holding people accountable. It was the countless conversations about vision and values. It was the mentoring of these high potential young people. It was engaging and recruiting and hiring that made them successful. Leading from the rear doesn't happen overnight. It's a gradual process. But once a manager's office becomes a comfort zone, it's tougher to dislodge him from it. It doesn't mean you're going to micromanage. It doesn't mean you make every decision. It doesn't mean you uh, abandon your administrative responsibilities. It just means you need to get out from leading from the rear and, you know, again, lead from the front. What does that mean? Real quickly, just bullet state them. You ready? Attend meetings where your presence makes a positive difference. As you move up in an organization as a leader, sometimes you don't need to be at every meeting, but you look for the ones in which your presence makes a positive difference. You're not leading it. You're just attending it, but it means a lot. Number two, stay involved with the recruiting and hiring process. When you got started, you did all the recruiting and all the hiring. Then all of a sudden, as your business gets a little bit bigger, someone else handles that. You can still let them handle that, but... What you need to do is at least keep your face in there and meet the people and be a part of that recruiting and hiring. Number three is this. Take the time to connect with and build relationships with your people. Take the time to connect with and build relationships with your people. That is your number one appreciable asset. Number four is this. Give fast, positive reinforcement and confront poor performances. When you don't quickly reinforce good behavior, you extinguish it. And when you don't confront poor behavior, you endorse it. You can get a little bit lazy sitting in the back office and you see things that happen good and you don't reinforce it. That's bad. Or you see things have been done poorly and you don't do anything about it. You don't confront it. Then all of a sudden, that's like an endorsement and you're going to see everything begin to slide. Why is that? Because you're leading from the rear and rather from the front. Number five, study the effects of your strategy and make fast adjustments when necessary. You continue to keep engaged in the strategic process and make those adjustments. And last of all is continually communicate vision and values. Continually communicate vision and values. You as the leader, this is one of the primary things that you do. You're always the one that is communicating the vision and the values. Andy Stanley talks about how vision leaks, and it does. And you can't just throw it out there one time and everybody's got it. You have to constantly be reminding people this is what we value. This is what our vision is. So uh, you can't build or reinforce a healthy culture if you're disconnected from it. So you do all of this and you look at it and you realize that there are really three types of leaders. This is how we'll close. Number one, those who make it happen. Number two is those who watch it happen. And number three, those who at the end of the day scratch their heads, stare out the window, and wonder what happened. <laughs> now, you've got to ask yourself, which one of these are you going to be? Are you going to be one that makes it happen? Are you going to watch it happen? Or are you going to be the one that scratches your head and say, my goodness, what happened? It happens in your business, and it happens in your life. This is Valentine's Day. For those that are married, this can happen in your marriage. Because, you see, you can be someone who really makes it happen to where it's a successful, strong marriage, or you can sit back and just kind of watch whatever happens, which is usually deterioration, or at the end of the day, you may be scratching your head and say, what happened? We have grown so far apart from each other. What in the heck just happened here? But, you see, what we want to encourage you to do is to lead from the front, all right? Be that leader that keeps that relationship going and keeping that relationship strong. We go through life, our days are numbered, 
And one day we're going to step out of this world. We're going to step into eternity. And if we do not prepare today for what will happen in eternity, there will come a day that when we die and we step into eternity, that we're going to scratch our heads and say, what just happened? Because the Bible is very clear. It says we'll either spend eternity in a relationship with God or we'll spend eternity separated from God. And it all comes down to decisions that we make here and about if we accept or reject the person of Jesus Christ who died on the cross for our sins. So as you think about this lesson and look at your leadership and saying, I want to be able to get from good to great, I want you to also take a look at your relationships and your relationship with God and say, you know, I want to deal with this one too. I want this to be great also, and, um, and I want to get this right. Now, if you can get all that right, kind of start out, that's those three temptations. If you come back uh, next week, uh, next month, and it will be the first, uh, the first Tuesday uh, of the month, when you come to that first Tuesday, we're going to look at the next three temptations, and by the time this whole thing's over, we're going to take you from good to great, and you'll say, my life is different because I was here. Okay? All right. <laughs> Hope you have a great Valentine's. Look forward to seeing you in March.